0: The UK has left the EU after years of negotiations, some uncertainty and a number of deadlines. We have a deal and since January 1st, the UK has been officially independent of the EU and no longer part of the single market and customs union. Now it's crunch time for many businesses as the reality of the EU exit sets in and impacts the logistics of daily working life. But you're not alone. This is a series brought to you by G1st LEP, Swindon & Wiltshire LEP and the West of England Combined Authority to help businesses get the help needed to manage the adjustment to this new world. Today I'm speaking to three key employees at Renishaw, a British engineering company based in Whitton Under Edge in Gloucestershire with thousands of employees. The company specialises in measurement, motion control, healthcare, spectroscopy and manufacturing and is best known for its coordinate measuring machines and machine tool products. The demand for these products means the majority are exported across the world, including to Europe, meaning the firm has been directly impacted by the EU exit and changes afoot. We'll find out from key members at Renishaw how the company has adapted so far and what happens next. So let's get stuck in.
1: I'm Patrick Tampkins, I'm director of corporate development at Renishaw. Um, I look after a, a, a few different uh, functions within the organisation, um but particularly uh, quality and product compliance and trade and export compliance, which obviously relates to our exit from the EU.
2: Sean Crosby, group commercial support manager. I work in the group commercial division and we basically provide support to subsidiaries around the group, but A lot of my previous experience has been in sales operations and distribution logistics and particularly into europe
3: my name is dave wallace i'm director of group operations at renishaw um, which heads up business systems and the commercial group commercial services for which sean works and indeed um, Patrick's compliance area. Renishaw is a FTSE 250 engineering firm um, specialising in precision technology. Uh, We grew up in the metrology, quality control and precision measurement world, but have by now branched out to include additive manufacturing and neurosurgery. Um, Renishaw exports in excess of 90% of our products. We have around 4,500 employees worldwide, with about 2,500 of them in the UK. And we were founded about 48 years ago now.
0: You're one of Gloucestershire's biggest employers. With that comes a lot of responsibility and a lot of workload. So what's been the biggest hurdle so far as a result of the EU exit for Renishaw?
2: So really, Renishaw's biggest challenge was the fact that we were going to be exiting the EU um, and and the single market, access to the single market. And Renishaw uh, shipped tens of thousands of packages into the EU out of the UK previously. So we have to to mitigate that going forward.
0: How have you dealt with that?
2: So um, Renishaw have a manufacturing plant in Ireland, in Dublin. Uh, So what we did, we set up a a warehouse over in Dublin and Renishaw registered for VAT over in Dublin for Irish VAT. So we were able to relocate our distribution logistics across into Ireland so that we could still access the single market. And that enabled us to ship packages next day delivery into our customers and our customers weren't subject to any additional administration or delays in clearance and clearing goods into Europe.
0: So was that a last minute decision or could you foresee that happening as negotiations continued?
2: Once the vote had happened, that the UK was going to be leaving the European Union will started planning immediately, so we we had plenty of time to enable us to put these things into place. So I'd say we were we were fairly well prepared, to be honest.
0: So what challenges are you expecting to face in the future regarding Britain leaving the EU?
2: I mean, Renishaw still do ship some goods out of the UK, uh, particularly things like capital equipment. Uh, we've also got a, a service centre in the UK, so customers ultimately do need to return some product back to the, to the UK and obviously that presents us challenges with regard to cross borders and those are some things that we're, we're working on to overcome. Primarily we're working with carriers um, to, to find out the best logistical routes for us to do that. Also we're working with our European offices, our subsidiaries, to work out the best processes by which they can return uh, and receive goods from the UK and we also uh, work very closely with the um, tax people to make sure that we're, we're compliant with regard to some of the VAT challenges around that.
0: Do you think working and collaborating with those EU partners and those that you work with overseas in Europe is a key factor in making this work?
2: So yeah, Runinsure's got quite a lot of offices based in the EU, so, so we work with those on a regular basis and we're trying to put wherever we can consistent processes and procedures in place where everybody understands the, the most effective way of doing things for our customers.
0: You've done lots of preparations. That has been a big factor in all of this. But how have things changed as things have gone on over the last year?
2: One of the biggest challenges that that Shall had was probably, as any other companies in the UK, the fact that the deal's a little bit, if you like, last minute. Mm. So um, we had to make some changes to some documentation early on in January, where we were trying to dispatch goods uh, from our UK plant to our Irish plant in particular. Uh, we found out we had some challenges around paperwork. Those right pretty much straight away, but then there was a kind of inevitable delays at the borders, which again, everybody is experiencing, and that's kind of out of our control. So we just have to work with those the best we can.
0: Paperwork really is something that keeps on coming up when, when businesses talk about the EU exit. Did you expect that this would be one of the main challenges or, or changes and sticking points to all of this?
2: We were sure that we, we'd we have to provide paperwork to cross an international border. And um, because, you know, 90% plus of the goods that Renishra export around the world um, are, are overseas, we were uh, very experienced in that kind of area. What we, we didn't know from day one was exactly some of the, the specific things that were required on the paperwork for shipments between the UK and the EU around issues like country of origin, etc. So those were some of the early kind of teething problems that we had to put right.
0: A lot of work has been done and last minute changes made to adapt to that 11th hour deal. But with the three of you covering different sectors and working with different teams, how have the workforce responded to all of this?
3: Yes, yeah, so coping with um, leaving the European Union at best of times would have caused the number of our colleagues to take on extra duties in terms of reviewing new legislation, scenario planning, making required changes to procedures and policy. Then consider that this has been done whilst coping with all that COVID has thrown at us, as well as the 11th hour deal then our lack of significant issues as a result of Brexit is one heck of an achievement. So we're very proud from that point of view. So Renishaw's employees have risen to both the Brexit and COVID challenges and in the commitment and achievements that have really done us proud.
0: I mean, it sounds like it's been a pretty positive response from your teams, which is great. And a lot of resilience shown through two significant changes in the last year, because not only has the EU exit had an impact, but also COVID too. So what advice would you give to businesses who are in situations
2: similar to yours? One of the first, first things Renishal did in, as soon as we knew that the UK was uh, exiting the EU was to put together a cross-functional team. Uh, and that's really important that you've got that kind of cross-functional task force to, to look at all the issues because they need to be looked at in a holistic manner because a lot of them overlap you know, between finance, uh, compliance, regulatory, logistics, etc. So that was something that worked really well for us. Um, the, the other thing that Renishal did was engage with a lot of the local business community, attending conferences uh, and things that the the, um, the trade people put together. And that really helped us because we could learn from other people's experiences and other businesses' experiences. So that, that was a, a key thing. So I think the key is to engage as much as possible externally, but also to get a good cross-functional team together as soon as possible.
0: It sounds like communication and working together really is the key then, particularly when in business, you know, things aren't linear. And often there is a knock-on effect, especially within companies that are as large as as the likes of Renishaw.
2: Definitely, yeah.
0: So so is there anything you wish you'd done differently?
2: We had a chat about this earlier, actually, and we felt as though Renishaw was was very well prepared. Um, We started in the early days as soon as we could and and we don't really think there's there's a a lot that we could have done differently we prepared the best we could under the circumstances that we were given obviously we didn't know much about the um what trade deals come into place but but the biggest impact on us was the fact that we're you know we're going to be crossing international border uh, and that was what we prepared for by Primarily.
0: How did working with other companies and looking within your industry and out too uh, to others in the same boat help?
2: There were a lot of other industries where there's a great deal of synergy in the challenges that, that they were going to be facing, uh, that Renishal were going to face. but And I think one of the things that came out for Renishaw was the fact that we were well prepared and we had good resource behind us. We were lucky enough to have a manufacturing plant in Ireland, so we were able to uh, be a bit creative and set ourselves up over there and use that facility. Uh, other businesses maybe didn't have that. But by talking to other businesses, understanding the challenges, we're effectively the same and then trying to get our resources to work the best possible that we could for Renishaw.
0: Patrick, within your work as Director of Corporate Development and looking at export compliance, how has your work changed?
1: So I think one of the big changes is is coming rather than has happened already. Um, so we we still recognise the CE mark um as a, a route to product safety compliance in the UK. Um but that is running out. So um as things currently stand, we have to move across to the UK CA mark for um certifying product compliance. Um and that needs uh, us to issue some documentation, a declaration of conformity this year, and then by the end of next year to have relabeled products. So that's actually a big job that still needs doing um, and hasn't actually actually come yet.
0: Okay, so you're still gearing up for what's to come. Was any of that dependent on the deal and what agreements were made?
1: Yeah, there was always an expectation that we would have some sort of extended transition period um, beyond actual exit day. And uh, and that's what the, the government has put into place. So we, we have a, a year to um to get to the point of issuing the Declaration of Conformity, um, which is really um the issuing of a, a formal document um for UK compliance, but but really a lot of the legislation is exactly the same and the standards you have to meet are exactly the same. And then after that we need to do product labelling. Uh and that's really where the work comes in, is in the design change around product labelling, having to add a, a literally a UKCA mark to all of our products, um, which is a big job that needs doing and is is going to take quite a lot of work over the next couple of years. So we're really preparing for that and getting organized to make that change over the next next year or two.
0: And does that require additional workforce to you know or do you factor it all in?
1: Well, with a a company like Renishaw that's been around for for quite a long time, we have a lot of products that do stay in the market for a long time. So we do have a, a big current product portfolio that we will have to change. And we'll have to do that design change for those products as well as for anything new that's coming through.
0: There is always room to improve. So what support should the government be giving to make life easier?
1: Well, I think the one thing that would make a big difference for us going forward is if there was a way for the government to recognise the CE mark longer term as a route to compliance, so that we didn't have to um, to repeat the work for the UKCA mark. Um, but if that isn't possible, um, might be politically difficult or or, or technically. Um, then it would be helpful to have an explicit statement that we could that the product marking isn't a requirement, and that we could, for instance, just use product literature or packaging as a as a way to um, to communicate the UKCA mark to customers, and that would save us a, a lot of work, um, which we're we're currently gearing up for.
0: Have any positives come from this? Do you think that that you weren't expecting?
2: I, I think um, to answer from a logistics and kind of business model perspective. Uh, one thing that Renishal did was we we slightly reorganised the way we do things in Europe. Um, so we had some offices that were set up on an agency basis, and we converted them to what we call flash title distributors, so we could sell goods to them, but but distribute direct to their customers. Um, and that was a that was a positive change for us, and it kind of enabled us to, if you like, think locally act globally something so it it kind of really helped out in that respect to be fair to sean's point that was more of a it helped
3: us force our hand and it It was something we were already doing before brexit was voted upon but um yeah something that forced the hand more prevalently
0: it's been lovely to chat with yourselves. It sounds like a lot of work has already been done and that a huge part of this has been preparing and adapting over time. No doubt from here, it's a case of continuing with that method and going through the motions, especially for you, Patrick, as the work's just beginning.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of work still to do.
0: It's been really interesting to get an insight into how such a big firm, directly impacted by this new world, has adapted to the changes brought by Britain's departure from the European Union. So a big thanks to Patrick Tamkins, Sean Crosby and Dave Wallace at Renishaw for their time on this. If you haven't already, check out the first episode in this series with Rob Case, partner at Randall & Payne, They're the Cheltenham-based chartered accountants and business advisors. Rob's been using his expertise to give you advice to help you adjust to life outside of the customs union and single market. We've included all of the relevant links, as always, in the description and encourage you to get in touch with any and all of your questions regarding your transition to this new world. Because remember, we really are all in it together.